ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this podcast, we're going to talk about hip hop breakups. Now, we won't be talking about the breakup between Meek Mill and Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Nor will we be talking about the breakup between Peppa and Tretch. We're going to talk a little bit about when some of your favorite groups or duos break up and how it kind of translates and affects us as fans. If you've been following the podcast, you know that I'm a huge hip hop fan. And, you know, being a hip hop fan, you know, sometimes you see things that you don't necessarily like or necessarily understand. And a lot of times it has to do with the acts or the people that you're really, really into. And what kind of brought this uh, topic about was uh, at the time of this recording, a few weeks ago, uh, the hip hop group Little Brother had announced on social media their reunion. Uh, the rapper Big Pooh and Fonte getting back in the studio to do an album. Now, the third member, Ninth Wonder, will not be in the group per se. But I think it's safe to assume that Ninth Wonder will be producing a beat or two for the group. But he's not actually back in the group again. And they gave their reasons as to why. And, you know, I respect it. Nonetheless, I was ecstatic to find out that Little Brother was, uh, you know, getting back together. And the reason being is that Little Brother, when they announced that they were breaking up, this was April 10th, 2010. And I, I remember it distinctly because it was announced on social media. And I remember seeing it on Twitter and I just didn't know what to think. And it wasn't like it was in some press release. I think it came from, you know, uh, Ninth Wonder tweeted it out. And I think Fonte tweeted it out. And, uh, you know, it was just that, that little brother, as we knew it, were breaking up. Now, for those of you listening, you may or may not know who Little Brother is, but that at the time they were one of my and still one of my favorite hip hop groups. And that was the first time in history that I can remember seeing or hearing about a hip hop group or act breaking up and really kind of finding out about it in real time. And that's what the advent of technology and social media in particular has done is that you get news and you get events in real time. So it got me to thinking as I was preparing to do this podcast about some of the hip hop breakups that I saw and, you know, we as fans went through. Um, and these are in no particular order, uh, you know, that really affected me. Um, groups that I hated to see break up. Um, but nonetheless, they did. Uh, the first group that comes to mind for me would be uh, that really kind of hit me was the Fugees. Uh, they broke up in 1997. Uh, if you follow the podcast, you know that I did a uh, podcast. I did a breakdown of um, the score, their smash album. Uh, I did a 20 year review at the time of that recording. Um, 
and it's an incredible album. Uh, one of my favorites from the 90s. And obviously it was their best album. But there would be no more Fugees after that album. And I remember hearing, I guess, second or third hand that the Fugees were breaking up. What was interesting was, was that uh, for the longest time, even before uh, they dropped uh, the score, you know, there were rumblings that people felt like the girl should go solo. The girl meaning L Boogie, a.k.a. Lauren Hill. So to some, it wasn't it really wasn't much of a surprise that they decided to split. Uh, honestly, at the time, we did not know the reason why as fans. Again, 1997, no social media. So we heard little rumblings here and there. There was an article or two posted uh, printed, excuse me, in, you know, like the source and the vibe magazine so it was stuff that was documented but you really couldn't get a a real good feel for what happened and why they went their separate ways well we would later find out that lauren hill and wyclef uh you know had a little something going on (laughs) and you know subsequently i think their breakup and lauren's subsequent you know relationship with rohan marley the father of her how many ever kids she has i don't know how many kids she has sorry i can't keep up uh but nonetheless uh that relationship and lauren moving on to a new relationship actually ended the fujis uh in a nutshell from what we know and even to this day we really don't know a lot because lauren really hasn't said a lot and why clef is he's been on interviews and he said some things um but even in the information that he's released, he's been very particular and very, very peculiar about what he said, what he will say and what he won't say, I should say. Um, nonetheless, that was a blow, you know, for a fan like myself who, you know, really enjoyed the Fugees and really enjoyed their music. I loved uh, Blunted on Reality. And I meant it. I meant, mentioned on the uh, on the podcast uh, that the Fugees almost got dropped from their label after they dropped that album Blunted on Reality. And then they came back and did the score. Uh, and of course, that album went on to sell gazillion <laughs> copies. Um, nonetheless, it was a huge you know, blow because I felt like, you know, I felt like the three of them meshed between Wyclef, Prize, and Lauren. Now, honestly, yeah, Lauren's my favorite. And I've, I've you know, said that several times on this podcast. And um, but I hated to see them end it as a group. And again, because we didn't have social media, we didn't know why it happened. Uh, But 1997, coming off the heels of, you know, their smash album, Wyclef goes solo, Lauren goes solo, Proz goes solo. And of course, we know how it played out for everybody. Lauren dropped Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And I mean, she's a superstar, Grammy Award winner. Wyclef dropped the carnival and I mean he's through the roof as well uh you know prize did his thing as well so you know it's I guess it worked out to some degree but you know and they've teased the idea uh over the previous years about you know reuniting but it hasn't happened uh I would like to see it happen but at this point if I can't get the Fugees you know the the real Fugees then you know (laughs) 
honestly, I don't want to see them together. Uh, but I respect where they are, you know, individually um, as a group. You know, people who make the music, for me, it's transitional. It's expressing a moment. And the question is, is do I capture that and give that to the public um, even though I may be past or beyond that moment? Does it still hold value? Is it still um, important for people even though I may have evolved beyond, you know, that particular moment? So, yeah, that was one breakup. Um, another breakup that uh, I didn't like and, you know, I kind of it kind of hit a little bit for me. It really hit for me uh, was the breakup of N.W.A. Uh, this was in 1991. Uh, if you follow N.W.A. Uh, straight out of Compton dropped in 88. Uh, incredible album. One of the most pivotal albums, I think, in hip hop history. And, you know, they're having the success. And if you follow Ice Cube or if you follow N.W.A., you know, you know, the timeline as far as how things happen. And, you know, subsequently the success and, you know, Ice Cube wasn't getting paid. And, you know, he was like, look, Jerry's not paying us, meaning Jerry, Hell the late Jerry Heller, uh, who's their manager. And, um, you know, he went to Easy and said, hey, man, we're getting jerked. And Easy didn't want to believe it. And so Ice Cube went solo. And subsequently, uh, with Cube going solo, that was huge, really, for us because while we had seen R&B groups, you know, have members go solo, uh, what one person that always comes to mind is Bobby Brown going solo from New Edition. Although I will admit, as a fan, I did not know that Bobby Brown was kicked out of New Edition because the way that the story was told to us as the fans was that. He left and he went solo. Of course, we did not find out until years later that Bobby was actually voted out of New Edition. And subsequently, he dropped his solo album or his second solo album, uh, Don't Be Cruel, on the same day that New Edition dropped their album Heartbreak featuring Johnny Gill on the same day. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but nonetheless, so for me, it was uh, it was different because. Uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge Ice Cube fan. And, uh, you know, he's my favorite member in NWA. And to see him leave the group, uh, that was, you know, that was tough. And then, honestly, because they had quote unquote beef, that made it even tougher for us fans because you really had to pick a side, right? You was either rocking with NWA or you was rocking with Ice Cube. You really couldn't kind of play in the middle. And I enjoy both of them, uh, you know, but when they dropped 100 Miles of Running and they were dissing Ice Cube on that album, you know, you just didn't know really what to say. And Cube, actually, when he came, when he went solo, he didn't have a lot to say about them. He was just doing his own thing. And of course, Ice Cube drops <laughs> No Vaseline, in my opinion, the greatest diss record in hip hop history. And subsequently, N.W.A. never responds. <laughs> and, you know, to be honest, that kind of killed N.W.A. You know, they kind of wisened up and Dre went his solo way and Ren went his solo way. And that was it. That was it for N.W.A. So, you know, Ice Cube leaving was a part of a breakup. And then, you know, the, 
group actually disbanded, you know, not long after Ice Cube left, you know, a few years later, uh, after they realized they weren't getting the money. And all of this is well documented in the movie Straight Outta Compton. Um, but yeah, man, that as a fan, that sucked. Uh, I'm not even going to lie, that really sucked. Um, another breakup that sucked, at least for me it did. Uh, 1992, uh, Eric B. and Rakim. That was tough, man. Uh, if you follow me, you know that I feel like Rakim is the greatest lyricist to ever pick up a microphone. And Eric B. and Rakim together, I mean, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Like, they just go, <laughs> they go together, man. You can't have one separate from the other. And it was interesting because, uh, again, this is 1992. We got very little information about the fact that they were splitting. Um, they had just released... Um, don't sweat the technique, the album, an album that I really didn't care for. <laughs> as big a fan as I am, I really didn't care for it. If I had time to talk, I'd tell you about why I didn't like that album. Uh, nonetheless, it was, um, you know, they decided to go their separate ways, and uh, you know, it was business. And allegedly, there was a deal for uh, Eric B to do a solo album, and a deal for Rakim to do a solo album, and. They were supposed to sign the contracts and, you know, Eric B. didn't want to get left holding the bag, if you will. And I don't think he signed his contract. And, you know, a lot of stuff got tied up in, in legal mumbo jumbo. And, um, you know, they they split up and they really weren't kicking it for a while. And um, for the better part of 10 years, may have been longer than that. And what was interesting was, was that... Uh, you know, Rakim went on to produce and, and make more albums. And even on the albums that don't feature Eric B. You could kind of tell that something was missing and, and it wasn't anything lyrically. Uh, one of the complaints that I think a lot of us fans had was that lyrically Rakim was he had, he, he you know, he was never better. He was just as good as he was in the past but what was missing was those beats those those scratches those cuts and everything that we kind of had grown to appreciate with Eric B and Rakim they were no longer there so you know we kind of as fans we were left with nothing really because I bought all of Rakim's solo albums but again it just felt like something was missing and I mean it's kind of hard to explain but they, they were dope albums but something was missing. And subsequently, Eric B. and Rakim did reunite uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, they are now currently on tour at the time of this recording. And uh, while I don't know that they have any plans to make a new album, uh, honestly, they could live off their touring. They're just that good. They just they have just that much material. And quite frankly, they're just that popular. So if you get a chance to see them, please do. I saw them in concert, man. It was incredible. It was incredible. I, I, I loved every minute of it. Um, so, yeah, that was another breakup. Uh, one other breakup that comes to mind. Actually, there are two other breakups that come to mind. The first one, man, this one crushed me, man. <laughs> this one crushed me like a ton of bricks. 
This is WDEF Radio. Big search here with some important news. Russell Simmons just called me to let me know. It's official. EPMD broke up. Yeah. EPMD. It was it was crazy, man, because when we found out about EPMD, it was just like that. It was on the radio. It wasn't something where you could click online and find out, you know, Eric is dissing Parrish <laughs> or Parrish is dissing Eric or Death Squad is dissing the Hit Squad. I mean, like, it was it was weird, man. It was weird. Hello? E, baby. E. Yo, what's up, Russ? Come on, man. I need an EPMD record. You yeah, call here with that. But you know I ain't doing no EPMD record. Tripping, man. You bugging. Just come to the club, man, for a minute. Just come to the club. Yo, Russ, man, that's how the question be. Hey, man, it happened. Uh, and their breakup happened in 1993. Uh, it was really controversial. I mean, just to give you a backstory, uh, in late 1991, somebody actually broke into Paris Smith's house, right? Uh, burglarized his crib and armed intruders. So they got guns and everything. And allegedly, when the cops caught the perpetrators, um, one of them supposedly had given up Eric Sermon as saying that he paid them to break in his crib. And so Eric Sermon was arrested for a plot to, you know, assault Parrish Smith. Now, they later dropped the charges. Or, I'm sorry, no charges were ever filed, but he was initially arrested for it. Um, and so now you have a situation where you have not just a group that is broken up, but you paid somebody to run up in my spot and rob me. <sighs> Come on, bro. <laughs> you know, you got guns. You hire people to take me out. Nah, we, we, we not doing that. And so that was messy. Again, you know, he went to court and case was dropped or whatever the case may be. But that was tough because, again, Eric Sermon had, uh, you know, a, a, a ton of success with Parrish Smith. And I mean, for me, just on a personal note, EPMD's first album, Strictly Business, came out in 1988, the greatest year in hip hop. <laughs> and I mean, like, I, it's kind of hard to explain, but like, I really took to that group like. Like I was a member. <laughs> I mean, like those dudes were so cool. And like one of the things that I always appreciated about them was that at least for kids my age, you know, you could relate to them. You know, they and they were cool and they made you want to they went they made you wanted to be like them. And so, you know, we all everybody like everybody from my town, everybody, all my friends and stuff. We just we loved EPMD. And I and to be honest, I don't know many hip-hop heads from that era that don't like EPMD. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I don't know many hip-hop heads from that era that don't love EPMD. Because we all love EPMD. And to me, EPMD is one of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time. Hands down. And so for them to break up and, you know, you have 
hit squad going this way, death squad going that way. Um, hit squad was, you know, Parrish's faction of his rappers and death squad was Eric Sermon's. And, you know, Eric Sermon went his, his separate ways and, you know, had a lot of success uh, with the death squad and Keith Murray and, you know, Red Man and doing production and the whole nine. And, you know, Parrish Smith had success in his own right as well. Um, you know, with his solo album and the Hit Squad label, and you know, so they both kind of they both kind of did their thing, you know, individually. But you know, it was almost like a line in the sand was drawn. You know, for us as fans, you either had to choose Eric Eric Sermon or you had to choose Paris Smith, and that's tough because we always saw them two together. We always saw them together, so we just didn't know, you know, if it would ever be. And lo and behold, 1997, <laughs> they're back. Uh, and they've been back together ever since, man. And and I mean, as a huge fan of EPMD, it feels good to see them back together. Got a chance to see them on stage. Uh, and, and they tore it down, man, just like you would expect EPMD to tear it down. And um, there are talks, and from what I'm hearing, that at, by, at the time of this recording, there should be an album by the end of this calendar year, uh, which I think would be incredibly dope. And I'm definitely going to cop it because I always buy EPMD albums. Um, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't touch and go because, you, I mean, it's one thing to break up. It's another thing to have somebody come up in your crib, you know, with guns, you know, robbing you. That's something totally different. And that's taking it to a, a level that, you know, most of us can't even understand or comprehend. So, you know, to have that happen and then for them to, you know, squash their differences and get back together. I think that's a beautiful thing. Uh, the last breakup and this one hit me really hard, man. Um, a Tribe Called Quest uh, back in 1998. Looking back on it, I think as a fan, you you guys know it. Tribe is is one of my favorite hip hop groups of all time. Uh, I think you know Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, uh, two of the most phenomenal back to back albums ever. Uh, you heard the podcast with me and my boy Eclectic on here. Um, yeah, man. So Tribe breaking up that that hurt that hurt just like epmd i mean like those two breakups probably hurt me the most as a fan because i literally grew up on tribes music so in a weird way like most tribe fans feel like they're a member of the group because the name says it it's a tribe called quest we were part of the tribe you know we're part of the native tongue as fans. And a lot of this was documented in the uh, documentary uh, Beach Rhymes in Life. by It was directed by Michael Rappaport. And if you saw that documentary, you saw Q-Tip look like an ass. <laughs> and I don't necessarily know that Q-Tip is an ass, but he really looked like an ass, you know, as far as like how... You know, he and Fife fell out. And, you know, unfortunately, rest in peace, Fife is no longer with us. Uh, but that one was tough, man. And I mean, I think uh, 
of course, nobody knew that Fife's health would, you know, succumb to the diabetes that he had that he dealt with most of his adult life. But it was just tough, man, because as fans, you wanted so much for it to happen. But looking back on it, you could kind of see how they got to that point. I mean, like, you had the first album, which was incredible. You had the second album, Low in Theory. Then you had the third album, Midnight Marauders, which is my personal favorite. <laughs> but then you had Beats, Rhymes, and Life. And I think that album was the turning point. Fife really wasn't featured on it that much. All of a sudden, you had Consequence, who just really came out of nowhere, and who happens to be Q-Tip's cousin. Uh, and again, we didn't have social media, so you pick up, you know, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, and you start playing, and all of a sudden, you hear this guy rapping, and it's not Fife, it's not Q-Tip, it's not Jerobi, and damn sure ain't Ali Shaheed Muhammad, it's Consequence. And there's no explanation as to why Consequence is on five or six tracks, you know, and Fife is on like three. Um, and I did a podcast on that particular album when it turned 20 years old. You can go back and check that out after you listen to this podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it was weird. And so again, if you look at the documentary and you look at how things were, you really shouldn't be surprised that tribe broke up when they did um so they do that beach rhymes and life album and then the last album that they did collectively you know while fife was alive uh was the love movement and for as dope as i think some of the production is on love movement which was done by the late great jay dilla shout out to jd um the production was crazy but lyrically it just wasn't there and i think fife had admitted to it that you know they kind of mailed it in and it sounds like they kind of mailed it in <laughs> so you know when you have a situation like that where you're not really putting forth your best effort it's gonna sound like it even if, and and the one thing i say about the love movement album is that jd's brilliance couldn't save this album and it really should have, but it couldn't because Tribe didn't have the same hunger. They they sounded like dudes who just put an album together just because they had a contractual agreement to do so. And that was tough and it sucked for us as fans. And of course, you know, Q-Tip Q went solo, did his solo album. Um, Fife went solo, had a couple of solo joints and, you know, they toured. So they did get back together to tour, but... We never saw another Tribe album, you know, until Thank You For Your Service. We got it from here. But that album was in production or may have been in post-production uh, when Type, when Five, excuse me, uh, passed away. And I think that's a great album. Um, but as fans, you know, we still didn't get a chance to see them collectively together, back together you saw him on tour, but it wasn't the same. And I think, you know, so many things changed and, you know, fans. And, and honestly, if you know what a fan who is a Tribe Called Quest fan, if you ask them, I mean, some will blame Fife uh, 
for the breakup. Some will blame Q-Tip. In the documentary, like I said, I think the documentary doesn't necessarily paint a perfect picture of Q-Tip. I think it actually makes Q-Tip look like an asshole. And I mean, Fife had his asshole moments in the documentary as well. But I'll let you guys decide, you know, if you haven't seen it. Um, Nonetheless, it was tough for us as fans because, again, we saw them tour. uh, But I think they could have been touring just out of necessity. And I mean, they have they still have a strong brand. Unfortunately, with Fife being gone, you know, we'll never get another A Tribe Called Quest album. And that sucks. And, you know, sometimes the when when people and groups break up it's for the best. Other times it's not for the best. It's for individual reasons. It's for selfish reasons. Unfortunately, the public the fans you know we lose out and some of those breakups that i talked about on the podcast you know we we lost we lost a lot of music we lost a lot of opportunity to celebrate them while they were actually here and doing their music so it's it's a little bit bittersweet uh you know when you listen to fife and you hear him on you know low end theory or midnight marauders you know, he don't sound like the same Fife on the love movement. And, you know, sometimes that's how it happens when you're breaking up. You everything around you is breaking up. And if we had paid attention, we probably could have seen the breakup coming. Sometimes it's not as is as clear as you might think it is. Nonetheless, as hip hop fans, we've experienced a lot of breakups and a lot with these groups. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, we don't really have a lot of groups. So I guess the flip side of it is, is that you don't really have to deal with much breakup going forward because, you know, everybody's kind of an individual now kind of going for their own thing. Again, you got crews, but you know it's not the same. Nonetheless, I mean, those are some hip hop breakups. Uh, you tell me some of yours. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.